things we're dealing with are threats to humanity unlike anything the world has ever seen before. We can bequeath our children a greener planet and a more prosperous future. That's what climate change is about. It is literally, not figuratively, a clear and present danger. If unprecedented changes are not made and made soon, there will be irreversible damage to the planet. Zero carbon. East tall. Hello and welcome to Zero Carbonista Series 5, Just Stop the Tories. This is the UK's number one environment-based podcast. If it is green, it is in. And what's particularly exciting about this episode, Dal, is that we can kick off immediately with a bit of this. Right-wing nut. Is it right-wing nut or right-wing nut watch? I can't remember. Oh, I think it's right-wing nuts. Right-wing nuts. Right-wing uh, nuts is back, and the accolade this week goes to our own Prime Minister. Again, right? I mean, he wins it quite often. He's a kind of serial winner of this award. <laughs> well, he's a, a curious winner because all of the stuff he's been nominated for, I don't really believe he believes. So yeah. it makes it almost a – he's like a double right-wing nut. He's like a right-wing nut that's gone in full. Do you know what he is? He's a tactical right-wing nut. That's what he is. He's a tactician of the right-wing nutted people. It's all about it's all about winning the election. That's what it is. Uh, you know, yeah. is is pushing back the car ban, is fake saving people from car sharing and seven recycling bins, all this kind of stuff. It's an anti-green crusade designed to give him a toehold in the election somehow. We discovered this week he doesn't like mobs unless they're sitting on a tractor in Wales. And that's what he's in for this week, right? He said the country's being run by mobs. <laughs> that's what he's in for. <laughs> that's what he's in for. Country's being uh, mob rule, I think he said, was was running the country. And, you know, yeah. I mean, it's an awful thing the Tories are doing with, with their Islamophobia and, and that kind of stuff as well. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. I mean, right now he's supporting farmers blocking roads with tractors in Wales while complaining that the country's being run by mobs. I mean, WTF. Yeah, uh, it's because it's in Wales, of course, which is run by Labour. And it's a Tory mob. But yeah, same thing, right? The Tory mobs are and okay. Yes. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Uh, even, even the farmers don't like the Tories. I don't know why he's, <laughs> that's right. why he's protecting the farmers. <laughs> that's right. They all think he's a dickhead, so why, why, is, why is he even coming to their rescue? That's a good question. He's not really, is he? Let's talk about Day Zero here. This is a, a story out of Mexico City, which I, I was shocked to read the headline that Mexico City is about to run out of water. Mm. I was shocked to read that Mexico City is home to 22 million people. Well, right. Ah, yeah. I mean, that's a bit big. I mean, that's like three times the size of London. Yes. I don't think in mass it's that much bigger. You mean in space? Yeah, in space. Yeah. So you, you've got a lot of people squeezed in there and apparently no water. And uh, this is like uh, years of low rainfall, dry spells, high temperatures, that kind of stuff. But also the replacement of wetlands and rivers with concrete and tarmac. I mean, it's like they're architects of their own problem here. But I mean, that's the story of humanity, right? So there's some water. There's a water supply. Let's turn it off and tarmac it. That's not going to come back and bite us on the arse at any time soon. No. And it certainly wouldn't in Britain because we're just having such a wet kind of period, aren't we? I mean, it just doesn't stop raining. I don't know what it's like in London, but, you know, we've had... It, well, I'm, I'm just outside London and it is killing me down. <laughs> it's, it's just like a monsoon to get anywhere. To get into this studio, I had to walk over a lawn. I, I might <laughs> as well have bought a rubber ring yeah. with me. I mean, it was just <laughs> extraordinary. And do you know something interesting? Our, our groundskeeper at Forest Green Rovers, he he monitors rainfall, right, as part of his job. Because rainfall, Ronnie, <laughs> rainfall, Nick. But anyway, that, that, that doesn't quite work. But 
<laughs> that's that's what he does. And so he's, he's saying like the amount of rain in January, I think it was, was only like 10 millimeters more than normal, like 70 instead of 60. But it all came in one week. And so it's, it's not just the volume of rain, it's the intensity of the rain, which is overwhelming our pitch and other pitches up and down the country, actually. Here's a question that comes from Jan. What the hell are the Tories instigating free ports? Why do they want to include Dartmoor? Uh, can you explain the question first? I'd, I'd like to be able to. <laughs> but I think there's just probably a word missing in the sentence there. Uh, but it's about free ports, which are a bonkers idea. There's one up north that's under scrutiny for fraud. The Tories basically gifted this huge piece of industrial land to some friends and donors of the Tory party. Uh, they made a killing from it. The public have lost money on it. And the whole idea anyway is bonkers. It's like, oh, well, if we have a port that's free of tax and all kinds of regulations, then it will boom. Well, yeah. But I mean, how does that make sense to do that? Um, you know, in a country where we need tax and regulations in order to grow the economy. I don't know. But they've shifted private money into public hands again. The idea of Dartmoor being a free port doesn't make any sense, right? Because, but it, it's not on the coast. This is very true. What do they mean by a free port? Uh, a free port is something free of regulations and taxes. Basically, it's like a free-for-all. It's, like it's like a free marketeer's wet dream, right? You can do what the f*** you want. <laughs> Pay no tax to nobody. And, um, wow. and and the Tories gifted all this land. It's up, up north somewhere, like Teesside maybe. And the guys that they gave it to, I don't know, they've raked in 100, 200 million or something like that in profits already. And the public have just stumped the bill for that. That's insane. It is insane. It should be criminal. It should be criminal. Here's a question from Jimmy. Uh, when is the new wooden stadium scheduled to start? This, of course, is Forest Green Rovers. Uh, big plans, more than just a football stadium. What's happening, Dale? Well, we are going to open a training ground ahead of the new season this year. Hopefully, we're still bogged down in ridiculous kind of uh, planning treacle. Uh, but we, sh we should hope to open that. And that's like the forerunner of the stadium itself. We're still going through planning for that, even though we have outline consent. And we ticked all the boxes six months ago, eight months ago. We still haven't got the full consent, but that's just a long, boring planning story. Then we've just got to raise some money, a few tens of millions of pounds, and uh, we're almost ready to go. We've done the detailed design work. We've done some provisional costing. We've done some foundation investigation. We're kind of creeping, you know, like a like a tortoise towards the starting gun. But it's going to happen. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, it will. I mean, everything that we set out to do, we do make it happen. We don't give up on nothing. And it's interesting, because this sort of feeds into the, the green economy in many respects, because uh, obviously uh, it will all be built with all of those considerations in mind. And I was intrigued to read that the UK's net zero economy grew mm. by nearly 10% last year. I think there are very few parts of the economy that can claim a figure as impressive as that well the rest of the economy overall shrank we're in recession two quarters in a row it shrank you know the green economy is is booming and yeah you're right eco park is a part of that it, there will be a, a green business park there for four thousand jobs in the green economy it's going to contribute 150 million pounds a year to the economy in gloucestershire which is a pretty big deal and we'll have a 20 percent biodiversity boost at the same time over and above the farming background which everybody thinks uh, you know looks right oh that's the natural habitat you know wide open green fields but actually they're wildlife deserts we can do much better than that and still build things uh, and dale what is that i hear wow it's like a, a distant cousin that's just returned uh, the book bugle is back which can mean only one thing that we have crucial book-based news the book is back. It just won't go away, right? Uh, Penguin asked me to update it a while ago. Uh, we've added 8,000 words. We, we took the pictures out of the hardback. 
uh, which didn't make it into the paperback. And we've got some new pictures as well. And it's like a it's like a big old update of what's been going on, the summer of Just Stop Oil, the pivot into Just Stop the Tories, and, and some of the stuff that we're doing, like our, our green gas, our, our food from grass, and the focus on this being the pivotal election, the, the chance we have to simply change everything by by voting. While we're talking about the book, we should mention green gas because this is crucial. Yeah. And uh, I, th- I think we're getting some traction with it. You know, the, the plant is up and running. Uh, it's got a technical problem at the moment, but I mean, apart from that, it's up and running. And uh, we've just been approached by, um, it's, it's a snappy title, this one, D-E-N-Z. I don't know, if it's, maybe you call it DENS or something like that, you know, Department of Energy Net Zero, um, yeah. I think it's called. 15 people want to come down and see it. Really? I don't think any of them are politicians. Yeah, 15. I think they're all civil servants. We're going to write to the minister and say, look, don't don't leave it to the deep state to come and look at this. Yeah. You need to come along as well. Otherwise, next thing you know, you'll be complaining that somebody imposed green gas on you. <laughs> <laughs> so the deep state are coming down. And uh, and in related news, you know, we've got this project in the book to make food from grass. Yeah, there's an update on that, right? Absolutely. We've actually done it. We've, we've created protein from grass. I haven't eaten it yet. Um, that'll be in the next couple of months. We're going to stick it in a burger or something. It's not cleared for human consumption yet, but I mean, it's from grass, right? What harm can there be? But that, that'll take a few more months. But within a couple of months, we'll have a tasting session for our first grass-fed burger. And the opportunity for our country is massive. All, all the stats are in the book. But uh, basically, yeah. we can make a, a shed load of protein from something we have a shed load of. And we can do it twice as efficiently as a cow. We can make twice as much protein from that grass as a cow can. Uh, just my OCD kicking in slightly here, Dale. Uh, the, the grass is cleaned, obviously. I don't want sort of it's, – it's not covered in ferret's piss or something, is it? I, just, uh, I don't know. I'll check. I'm pretty I'll sure check. it goes without saying that somebody washed that stuff before – mixing it up absolutely and the process of extracting the protein is organic there are no chemicals involved which wow. are, you know is a double double benefit right indeed question here from frank who says uh, why do you think policies about land management whether for food nature or recreation are so disjointed in britain everything seems quite disjointed in britain isn't it there's yeah. departments that have never spoken to each other ever even though they are crucially interlinked with their central aims. I think you're right. I think we live in a disjointed country. And, you know, you get departments like the one I just mentioned, DENZ, you know, uh, Energy and Net Zero is one department. But as we learned in a recent court case, the government's zero carbon plans only apply to energy, to that department, DENZ. We'll call them that you know they don't apply to um defra the people that are responsible for food and when food is like you know one of the big three contributors to the climate crisis but it's exempt from our carbon plans it's all kinds of messed up really i, I think you know the tories couldn't well couldn't run a bath really could they and that's where we are a couple of stories that i think are interlinked here um one is the drax power station still burning rare forest wood <laughs> lovely, um, lovely story this one I, well i thought i'd misread you know, like so many of the stories we cover you think <laughs> no no i'll have to read that again i obviously mm-hmm. missed a word because i would have thought this is you know highly illegal that you'd be closed down you'd be ostracized by every client and government and politician in the land but they've received six billion quid in green subsidies despite burning wood from the most precious forests it's, it's outrageous right it's 800 million a year total is six billion right now and they're cutting down these pristine forests it's so ridiculous that they they cut it down they chip it up they stick it in big ships they bring it across the atlantic it lands here goes to drax and when it gets to drax they claim that it's carbon neutral and the carbon bill 
the carbon cost of all of that stays in Canada. And so they have carbon neutral fuel. They claim to make green energy wow. with, you know, by burning, you know, I don't know, Canadian rainforest, whatever it is. It's outrageous. And someone's doing this with a straight face. <laughs> yes, it's a very green setup we've got going here. Well, it's the very antithesis of a green setup, it is. dickweed. It is. And a couple of weeks ago, of course, we learned that they'd been given $1.6 billion, I think it might have been, to start a carbon capture storage project, which is a fantasy, right? Commercially, it's a fantasy. And over the next, I don't know, decade or two, they will receive something like $40 billion to, to run this, this stupid concept of carbon capture from uh, what was already carbon neutral. They, they claim they'll be carbon neutral because Canada takes the carbon here and it's yeah. zero when it gets here. They claim they'll go negative when they capture the carbon from this project and pump it somewhere f- knows where. I mean, that stuff doesn't work. Carbon capture and storage is, a, is a, just a myth. Yeah. Uh, well, talking to people who are up to nefarious malarkey, as I think we can say, your old arch nemesis, Elon Musk, has been accused of doing some polluting himself oh, yeah. of German rivers with the Tesla Gigafactory. Yeah. I mean, it's bad if you're in Germany. It's quite good from my perspective because I just quite like to see him in the shit of his own making. But <laughs> it's like, I think it's five times higher or six times higher than it's allowed to be. Uh, that's right. He's been warned five times already and uh, not done anything about it, of course. And he could be in trouble here because the Germans aren't going to allow that, I think, for very much longer, particularly with the purity laws they have around beer. I mean, he could be polluting German beer for all we know and nobody wants that to happen no but the epitome of irony in some respects uh, this week dale the final story before we go on to some questions was this that the tories are on the hunt for trusted messengers to help promote the push to net zero like convincing homeowners about you know upgrading your heating and support for more electricity pylons that kind of stuff and they're looking for people to sell the message they're not aware of this podcast it's been going for about four years now <laughs> that's right and oh, here's right. the did you know that an interesting fact and i think you and i have long suspected this because tories you know love them or hate them but they do change you know and they're not all 105 year old land-owning gentry there's a lot of younger new faces in there and recent polling shows that 73 percent of conservative voters support the 2050 net zero target, which you wouldn't think so listening to Richie Sunak, who seems to be just simply aiming at Nigel Farage's fan base. Yeah, that's right. I mean, he's out of touch with his own party as well as the country. Yeah, and you're right, he is targeting a very small proportion of people who may vote reform. That's how crazy it is, but that's dragging our, our whole country down. In, but every, in, you know, every time he convinces one of those uh, reform voters, and it's a democracy, you know, reform are allowed to be there. There's nothing wrong with that. But every time he convinces one to come back to the Tories, one of those 73% I just mentioned f***s off somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. So it yeah. never works. But I did see the story, and I, I read it badly. I thought the Telegraph were looking for somebody, uh, but because you get that mixed up with the Tory graph easily enough, right? But the idea of the Tories looking for somebody – trust his messenger it kind of suggests that they don't think we trust sunak on this issue it's a bit weird for them right i mean this is the anti-green prime minister looking for a trusted messenger on on the climate well unless the unless the people in the back rooms are going well he ain't gonna be here uh, you know come autumn so you know we might as well just start the work again now Rishi probably doesn't even know about it. And and you know what? This has got a link to the green gas story we just discussed. You know, the idea of 15 civil servants now coming to look at a green gas mill right now is really interesting to me. It's like, why are they coming now? And why just them? Why not any politicians from 
from the government. It's yeah, very yeah. interesting. Like maybe the, you know, the deep state is moving on and saying, well, you know, he ain't going to be around. We should take a serious look at this thing that the Tories have been like turning their back on for, I don't know, five years. Fair point. Final question from Annabelle. Uh, you know a bit about protesting and petitions and that kind of stuff, Dale. Annabelle says, how big of an impact do you think petitions really make? Mm. It's a good question. You know, when you, Somebody says, "Will you sign this?" And I've, I've signed all sorts of things over the years, and thought, "Yeah, that does it go? Does it make a difference?" And once in a while, you'll get a sort of photo opportunity of somebody <laughs> walking up Downing Street, yeah. wheeling in boxes of the two million people who've signed something. Mm. Does it make a difference? Well, first I want to say this. When I say deep state, I'm being super ironic. I don't think we have a deep state. I'm kind of trolling the Tories like like Truss on this issue of the deep state. I just want to say that in case anybody mistakes me for a believer in the deep state. This question, yeah, this question, petitions, they make a difference to the people that sign them. They make you feel good and they can raise an issue up in the media, right? There'll be a headline like, a, you know, a million people sign a petition or 100,000, I think it takes to get a discussion in parliament. And so all of that's true. All of that is like it's like a participatory sport in a way, but does it make any actual difference to policy? I, I think sweet fa. Well, it does. I suppose what it does if if you sign something and then that night you're out with your mates in the pub and you're having a chat, well, oh, by the way, I sign a petition today. You start a conversation. Yeah. So, and if you start a conversation, of course, you you are promoting the cause mm. in that respect, and eventually that builds some momentum, and it, you you can't necessarily plot it or chart it on a, a kind of graph but i w- would assume that over time there is a kind of nudge effect a knock-on effect and a tipping point yeah and uh, and it's about participation as well it gives people the chance somehow to participate in the running of the country to to have their voices heard on a particular issue it's a good thing in in that respect and you know if you look at the uh, the turnout of voters at elections in our country since 1960 it's been in serial decline to the level that it's at now, you know, like hovering, I think slightly below 40%. I'm not sure. Close to 50, let's call it. Well, there, there was a by-election. We don't even need to talk about who won it. Um, just as we record this just yesterday, and I think the turnout was 38%. Yeah. And so we have a real democratic problem in our country, actually. We are hoping to have a uh, have a hand in in changing that with our Just Vote campaign that we'll start this year when we find out when the election is, which is to encourage that millions of people, it's, it's 10 million people or more that don't vote in an election to do so because their voice is not being heard and it's absolutely vital that it is. But a petition is a way to get your voice heard. I, I get that. There it is. Dale, we will speak in seven days. I can't wait. That is it for this episode. Make sure you follow this podcast. That way you get each new episode automatically. Dead simple. Leave a review there as well. Importantly, also to follow Dale on social media, that's twitter.com slash dalevince, facebook.com slash dalevince, and on TikTok too. Zero, carbon, east off.